4: Number two, Visa's primetime action live from the South Point Hotel Casino here on the tip of the strip. Glad you could join us tonight. Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Danielle Alvari, and Kelly Bidlin. Uh, so much going on, including uh, the NBA Finals game. Number four, of course, uh, an hour or so from now. we got to throw in or so because it's usually about sixteen minutes and 45 seconds after the tip. Not that we've been paying attention to that at all. Um, and the, the line currently and total on that, Kelly?
5: Uh, on the NBA game tonight, yes. it is 4.5 and 220.5 and to 221.5. Actually, I see a 222 even out there.
4: So a lot. Oh, so okay. shop
5: around on total. There you
4: go. Total moving a little bit. Yeah, Before that. It's, it
5: really, it's really funny because here in Vegas, at least, man, the South Point has some outlier numbers. Uh, they've got five, the only five I see in town, and 222, the only 222 I see hmm. in town. Slow it down, John Quell. <laughs> She's going to win at 5 to 1. Slow it down,
6: oh, John Quell.
4: As soon as I made that joke that I told you not to bet her, I knew she was going to win.
7: Oh, <laughs> no, no. boy. That's Slow it down, MVP. John Quell Jones. That is your MVP.
4: Danielle's got uh, Sammy Whitcomb in this, at the three point contest of the oh, WMA. So yeah. so here's the deal. So it's 44 to 43 at halftime. Mm-hmm. So only 87 points have been scored. And if you missed the top of the show, Uh, Sometimes you don't expect to go down certain paths. Uh, You can plan certain things on a show, and then some things just materialize. The WNBA All-Star game tonight, which is the WNBA All-Stars against Team USA, uh, there was a total that opened at 251.5 in town and got bet down not five points, not 10, not 20, but 60 points to the under until it settled in at 55 points below the open at 196.5. Uh, to say that you never see something like this is an understatement. If something moves more than, I don't know, say five points, it's a story and a half, let alone 10, 20, or 60. Now, David Purdom at ESPN, uh, David Purdom at ESPN Chalk has put out uh, a story on this now at, uh, on the website at ESPN.com, and uh, Purdom offers some more details Again, uh, it moved more than 50 points, including, uh, I would say, 55 is the, uh, the total drop, which a Las Vegas odds maker calls the, quote, worst mistake I ever made. Uh, Las Vegas sportsbook, Circus Sports, the first to, f- to hang an over under on the total points scored in the game, this is from Purdom's piece, opened it at 248.5 per Purdom's report. An hour before the game tipped off, the total was sitting at 195.5 half. So there you go, 53-point movement, the largest shift that multiple veteran bookmakers could ever recall in their bookmaking career uh, wasn't caused by any attempt at corruption or by a rush of big wagers. Instead, it was simply a mistake by an odds maker who was short on time. That's per Pertum's article. On Wednesday morning around 7 a.m. Pacific this morning, Matt Metcalf, sportsbook director for Circus Sports, saw an opportunity to post the first total on the WNBA All-Star game on the betting market. He told ESPN he had a morning meeting at 9 a.m., still needed to get showered and dressed for work. Rushing, Metcalf said he looked at the total points scored in the previous All-Star games and landed on 248.5 as the opening number for this year's game. Quote, this is from Metcalf at Circus Sports, at worst, I don't think this was uh, more than 15 points off.
6: (laughs) That's as bad as I think it could be, he said. I didn't think it would be the worst number ever. He has responded. Yeah, because I guess you know the the headline. I guess that they put up at ESPN said something about there was an error, and he just said this may be semantics, but I feel it's important to distinguish between an error and a bad number. Make no mistake here; I made a horrific number, hung it, and took bets. wasn't the first one and won't be the last. However, historically, it may be the worst. <laughs> well, that's very honest of him. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. give him credit for that. So it's not; it was not an error. If you see the headlines out there and all, you know, because there's a difference between like. You know, sometimes we see the called palps, palpable errors, what are like, where a, a, an algorithm might just, you know, spit out a, a, a things just completely wrong, right? And like, so that's that's an actual error. A plus, this instead of a minus, A yeah, minus yeah. instead of a plus this or isn't, something. Like that. This wasn't an error, as he said. It just it was just a, a bad number, just a bad number, or as he says, a horrific number. And we, we, we <laughs> went over the past results too. Like, yeah, it was you know,
5: this there was a number not even close to this since you know, two thousand six was the year. He so. might
4: not have been hip to the new format, you know. Yeah. Karma for those uh, $20 limits for those money line parlays in the NBA last day of the regular season. Here's our girl. <laughs> Something like oh, that. Boy. Oh, Kelly, yeah. I'm sorry. I meant to oh, think that and boy. not say it. All I did not apologies. like
7: her game face before oh, she started
4: here. She just shot an air ball in a three point competition. <laughs> yeah, this is
7: not looking good early for Sammy.
4: Come on, Sammy Wickham. You got some ground to make up.
7: I. Okay. She, she's about Alexander, oh, no. Matt
4: Brown, Danielle Alvari, sweating her three point bet on Sammy Wickham. Kelly Bidlin, right here at Veasan's Primetime Action on a uh, a Wednesday night in July. I should. Have a normal Wednesday night in mid-July, there's nothing going on during the All-Star break, but uh, baseball All-Star break that is. But tonight, so much going on between the uh, Michigas. That is the WNBA total moving as it did, and the NBA shifted back for game number four. And for that, we should bring in uh, our friend Preston Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Cheetah. Preston doing his thing with the last word cheetah show these days on game plus and elsewhere. You can find out all that he's doing on his Twitter at sports. Cheetah. There is Preston Johnson. How you doing Preston? What's up man? How you doing? I'm doing very well. You didn't get in on this WNBA total. Did you?
2: Man, we, we talked about it today on, on my show and you guys framed it very well. Like historically, I don't think people realize it just never happened before. Some, some sort of 60 point move ends up being around 55 point move. It was just insane. I will say I, I'll, I'll, push back a little bit on I don't know if it was Matt that quoted this but he said it, you know it was a bad number and we moved it down not because of action or because of something like corruption related we just you know moved it down because it was a bad number look it moved it went from the two forty-eight and a half and a half to 224 before people even pulled it and then reopened it at one ninety and a half. and a half so the mistake was not heard or expected or realized until people did bet it down about 20 something points. So there are a lot of people I know with a lot of money on under and last I saw was 87 at halftime. Yeah, And so it should be a pretty big W for, for a lot of people I work with
4: should be, of course we could see six
6: overtimes too. There's there's that possibility yeah. as well. Yeah. It seems yeah. like at this point, Gil, yeah. we would need six yes. overtimes. We might point. need all six of them. Yeah. Uh, Preston. So as we sit right now uh, for, it looks pretty much four and a half everywhere though there is a, a, a rogue kind of five here in in Vegas as we said in this game tonight. Uh, actually just moved to five at Draftkings as well. so five in favor of the Bucks, 221 and a half. Uh, after what we saw in game three, what do we feel like as we uh, as we enter this one and the number sitting at five?
2: Sure. So I think the general sentiment is that, well, the bucks are supposed to like kind of bounce back game three because they were down O two, two. So not surprised they won. And at least most people I've talked with that aren't betting professionally and have their own projections. They've said, wow, sun's in game four, like immediately. And this is when it was like three and a half, like sun's plus three and a half. I mean, now it's pushing five. So clearly that was probably the wrong bet. The markets moved even higher. I don't think people just recognize because of the Giannis injury, how awkward those first two games were as far as the price point. And I'm not sure if I was on with you guys, was it before or after game one, I talked to somebody and Gil and I probably talked about it offline or off air too. But uh, the market didn't really move after Giannis was announced playing. Game one, when it was theoretically a game time decision, it was five and a half, six. It closed five. Like, so just that alone, no one really expected or anticipated Giannis to be healthy. And he probably looked 75, 80% in game one, then game two. So you had a similar type of point spread, four and a half, five. Then he has that third quarter where he drops 20 huge game. Now, again, they still lost, but I don't I think at that point, you could trust like, hey, Giannis looks nearly 100%. So then you're like, okay, you have to put those two games and like those closing numbers a little bit behind you because if he had never been hurt in the first place, I had this almost nearly exactly a 50-50 series. So I have the Bucks rated slightly ahead of Phoenix. Phoenix has home court, so it's like a 51%, 49% split for me. So now, of course, the Bucks should be higher than a 3.5-point favorite at home if they're a slightly better team and they're playing at home and you have a healthy Giannis. So I think people just kind of got caught up in those First two games, and now Giannis's health after a massive game three again. Um, I think he's fully healthy, at least seems he's super close. And so, not surprised to see the numbers steam up. I would not be betting the Suns here. If anything, though, we can get into the total a little bit if you guys want. But uh, game three, I thought the 222s were too high, moved down close to 19 and a half. It lands 220 after a 70 point third quarter. In a game, Frank Kamitsky played a bunch of minutes because Ayton was in foul trouble. I think. Odds are he won't be in as much foul trouble. And I actually just prefer under again in this one. I think that's where the only real value is. I, I'm closer to 218. You can get 222 to 21 and a half some spots. So I would look that direction.
4: So a little under pre-flop for uh, Preston Johnson on game four tonight, which should start about an hour from now. Uh, Preston, I, there's going to be so many people who are going to hear me uh, ask this question. They're like, Gil, are you going to ask everybody this question? The answer is yes, because we have five mm-hmm. days in between games, it seems like. It's really three, but yeah. there's the extra day. And this is... The MVP market, and you may know where I'm going with this, which is, all right, uh, 1969, first time they gave out an MVP. It was to Jerry West. He played on a losing Lakers team, sort of a lifetime achievement award. Since then, they've given it out every year. Never since have they given it to a player on the eventual losing team. And so my, my question to you is, let me paint a scenario with Chris Paul, by the way, minus 240 to win the MVP, and Giannis at plus 205. Close, but just a little better numbers than the actual series prices of the respective teams right now, it should be pointed out. But if, let's say, Giannis keeps putting up 40-point double-doubles from here on out, which he's done in games two and three. Obviously, game one, he was on a pitch count, still went 20 and 17. Say so he keeps putting up 40-point double-doubles. And the Bucks lose in seven and Chris Paul doesn't have another standout game like he did in game one. Could this be the year, Preston, where the MVP goes to a player on the eventual losing team if the Suns do win in seven in that scenario?
2: You can't ever say never in this line of work. It's close to never though. I, I don't I don't envision it. My first thought was Okay, he does the forty-point double-double thing. Chris Paul and Booker just completely disappear off the face of the earth. Then, if that's the case, how are the Suns winning the series? Maybe it's DeAndre Ayton. So then you'd be better off just betting Ayton at fifty-four to one or something at that point. Like there has to be someone on the from the Suns that's matching Giannis's output, or they're not going to win the games anyway. And it's a buck series win. So yeah, I, I just don't envision it. I know there was talk about it maybe happening with some of the LeBron Cavs teams uh, more recently. It's just, it's tough to see. Like, didn't one of the years they were discussing it, didn't Iguodala win MVP yes. over LeBron? And they, you know, they won in six. It's like, how do you give it to someone that lost 2-4 in a series? And then they give it to Igodala, and it was kind of a funky, like, oh, you gave it to the guy guarding LeBron when LeBron did 38, 11, and 11. <laughs> like, it kind of, that was like the weirdest or maybe closest I think we could have gotten. But this one won't, won't I had- get there just because. Booker will be good enough.
4: I asked Steve Zabin from 97.3, the game in Milwaukee this morning about that uh, scenario. And he said, uh, Gil, when have you known sports writers to be that courageous, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a great
6: it's answer. A... 12 people voting on this, you know, so... So so just looking at this, though, let's say someone's coming in today they want to get in on this. I mean, one of the things Gil and I were talking about is, is if Giannis is sitting at plus 205 and the Bucks are sitting at plus 200 on the series, if you want to bet the Bucks in the series, wouldn't you just take the extra five cents and bet Giannis at 205? Because there's, there's no way that, that the Bucks win this series and, and at this point Middleton or Holiday. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be Giannis, right?
2: You would think so. I'm um, I'm just uh, calculating something real quick. I'll see if I can pull it up. So like at 205, it's like a 32.8% implied probability at 200. It's 33. So you're talking about basically you're measuring half a percent. So do you think that there's a half a percent chance that someone other than Giannis wins MVP while the Bucks win this series? No. Like, so you're-
6: I kind of don't, but I I mean, like I get your point. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. I kind of don't, but yeah, I get your, yes, I get your, I mean, it's in my head. That seems about right. Like, yeah. One out of every 200 times the bucks win the series. It's because Middleton drops 40, the next four games in a row. Like it's possible like one into it. It seems about fair where it's probably not much of a difference. I've seen a ton of these questions before in past scenarios too, where it's like, well, if you like so-and-so, just bet him to win Super Bowl MVP or bet Tom Brady win Super Bowl MVP or whatever. It may be similar to this. And it's not like like people think that, and it's maybe generally true, but there's still going to be some times, like an occasion, right? A half a percent where it goes against you, and so you were better off actually taking the plus 200. So I'll say that it's probably a similar bet overall but very frequently you're going to get paid the extra five cents because it's just so unlikely it goes against you that way. Um, But as you know, in a vacuum, it's probably a similar derivative and, and nothing I'd really argue one way or the other. on.
4: Talking to Preston Johnson from bets media, uh, last sports cheetah, the name of the show, check out his uh, his Twitter at sports cheetah for all that he does. Um, Coach Budenholzer of the bucks. We have been among many who have given him a hard time, not only at different points in this postseason, but really in previous postseasons as well. Uh, Is a past coach of the year, it should be pointed out. Uh, as As this series has progressed, and it's only been three games, but even as this series has progressed and Giannis has stopped sort of doing what he did in the Atlanta Hawks series and fire threes, it has just obviously made a point to drive to the hole and, all of his points were uh, either in the paint or at the stripe last game, all 41 of them has your thinking of coach bud. And I don't know where you stood on him, but if it wasn't that good, has it shifted a little bit to like, okay, maybe, maybe he's making an impact on, on the mentality of his players, or maybe you always thought that it was unfair, the criticism of him. How do you feel about him and your confidence in him really guiding this team to a championship or at least given the best effort of that?
2: It's changed drastically this this year. And it isn't because of this series necessarily. And we'll probably see some opportunities for him to make some adjustments. I think they did some in game three, but even that first series, you know, his whole thing is they've been, you know, 10 deep in the regular season and he'll still go 10 or 11 deep and not play anybody even close to 40 minutes. He's playing Giannis 34, 35 minutes in like high leverage playoff series. The last few years, Middleton, same story from the get-go this year, they were playing those guys 40 plus minutes. So his tune changed, which I think partly had to because they just lack depth. So I think that move for Drew holiday helped almost in that regard. But I will say against the Hawks, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to give you some numbers that aren't going to be 100%, but it'll get the point across. They obviously before this season, not obviously, but for people that are unaware, the Bucks played the most dropped coverage against pick and roll in the entire league. They dropped Brook Lopez back. They either force you to take a long two or that floater whatever it may be. Well, Trey Young attacks with that floater at such a high level that they were taking, you know, they, they were getting rid uh, of the Bucks ability to play defense that way. So what they did do after, I think it was game three and then in four, five, and six, the Bucks went from playing drop coverage in 40% of pick and rolls against Trae Young to then they cut it in game four to 26% game five, it cut down to as low as 6% by the time they finished that series. So they were adjusting defensively at a level that was extremely different from what they were accustomed to. They were switching everything and they were even doing it in the games where they didn't have Giannis, which I think is part of the reason that they also did it, which is they're adjusting for their lack of, you know, one of their better players. So I have to give him a ton of credit for how he's approached just the minutes and rotations in playoffs, which he hasn't done the last few years. And then just the X's and O's on how they're defending. And then even just in general this year, you know, they're using Giannis as a screener way more frequently than they have in the past. So it's a bunch of everything. And, yeah, he deserves a shout out, whether they win the finals or not. Um, at least they're in it. And, yeah, he deserves it.
6: All right, Preston. So let's say we're looking back at the box score on this tomorrow and Giannis still has, you know, let's, let's not say a 42 and 13 game, whatever, 30 mid thirties, double digit rebounds game. So he has a very, very good Giannis game yet again, but the Suns won. What changed? What was different? What needs to happen there for that to be the scenario?
2: Uh, Ayton doesn't play 27 minutes and get in foul trouble. Like the, the fact that Sarge gets hurt is, is so weird and no one really cared at, at, at first and they already drafted Jalen Smith, you know, ahead of some guys that could have helped them this year. And they're just so thin at backup center. And when you have to play Frank Kaminsky or go small and hope that Crowder can hang with Giannis, it just obviously not, not working out very well. And that's what we saw last game. And so we need Aiden to get to, like, I say we. I don't necessarily, I'm not a Suns fan. I just am used to saying we for some reason. (laughs) They need the Suns to get Aiden up to, he played 24 minutes, excuse me. Bridges played 27. So Aiden played half the game. Now, a lot of the fourth quarter was garbage time anyway, but Aiden needs to be in the upper 30s. And if he's in foul trouble, he won't get there. It's going to be really difficult to rely on Cam Johnson, Torrey Craig, who's not even 100% himself, and Frank Kaminsky. Like 13 minutes of Frank Kaminsky to do his minus 12. The other game he played in, he played, three minutes. He was a minus seven. Uh, It just, they're going to destroy him. So I think that's the the big indicator. And part of the reason why, I mean, if you're right about Paul and Booker somehow tailing off, falling off, but the sun's still in the series eight and a 54 to one, like he, he might be the most valuable player in this series, just from a defensive standpoint and impact.
4: Nothing would surprise me at this point. Suns in five, Suns in seven. Uh, It's going to be fun to watch tonight. Last thing, Preston, I know. And let's preface it by saying, let's make the disclaimer. Preston loves the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's establish that when I ask this question, Uh, whether the Suns win or lose this series, what they've shown you in this postseason, where do you slot them in the Western conference preseason going into next year?
2: Ooh, man, the nuggets are going to be fun. Assuming Jamal Murray is at least somewhat healthy. I'm not sure when he'll be healthy or how healthy he'll be. So if that comes to mind. Man, I, I think just from a market perspective, they'll still probably be behind the Lakers and Clippers though. So at, at, at most third, but uh, the Utah Jazz are probably going to be ahead of them too, just because of the season they just had. And I think they'll be able to bring back at least everyone they had on this team um, already. Uh, so I'll, I'll say that they're going to come in from a numbers perspective, Market perspective for the fourth favorite, but I think uh, Denver will probably be around there, kind of depending on what we hear about Jamal Murray.
4: Yeah. And when in our lifetime could we say that perhaps about an eventual NBA champion that they would be fourth in their conference <laughs> headed into the next, the next season? It's just a, such an anomalous kind of season. Preston, appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight, man. Sure. You guys too. Take it easy. Preston Johnson at Sports Cheetah. On Twitter, uh, I once asked him, or maybe I asked him more than once, uh, how'd you get the uh, sports cheetah? He said he was here with his buddies once upon a time, well before anybody knew who he was. And uh, he was winning bets, and one of them said to him, You're like a sports cheetah. And,
6: and, and he that, said, I and like he goes, that. He goes, That's my Twitter handle. I, I enjoy that. We oh, didn't I'll win the, make that didn't win the three point hint. contest. We didn't win
7: the three point contest. But it was close. It was so close.
4: Uh, it looked like you were at least going to get to the championship round, but Allie Quigley did her thing.
7: Yeah, she made her last basket, uh, which that ball was worth two points, so that tied her up with Jonquil Jones. They went to the finals, and then she just outshot her, shot her lights out. I mean, it just, Allie Quigley, three-time, three-point contest champion.
6: Told Seems like to. maybe we should just bet her, though. Told you not to bet Jonquil Jones. Yeah,
4: I know. Thank you. You're, You're saving Save some money. Save me some money. Kelly, you good back there? Yeah, I'm okay. good. Some, uh, some okay. news
5: out of Camp uh, Team USA camp on the men's side. Uh, Bradley Beal has entered health and safety protocols.
6: Ooh.
5: Uh, they have a game, a real game in 11 days. So that's uh, his status a little bit up in the air for that.
6: Vegas floor. Vegas board.
5: I'm also told, I was asked uh, from the guys downstairs if whether it was Matt or myself to bet, bet Sebastian Munoz because over at Circa, he moved from 475 to 1 to 325 to 1 uh, right away.
4: Did yeah, I wonder know. how much money it took to go from that yeah, to that. Neither, uh, 0% bass.
5: <laughs> we, <laughs> we will do
4: prop watch on NBA Finals Game 4, in case you missed some of the uh, prop bets these guys are making earlier on the show. And then 32 teams and 32 shows continues as we uh, segue to the AFC North and the Baltimore Ravens. whole bunch of Open Championship thoughts as well. Still to come, VEASAN's primetime action.
8: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Or download the app today. The
3: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates—
7: Join the action on DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Just download the app and use promo code VSIN when you sign up to compete for cash prizes each week. Don't wait. Sign up now and new customers get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's code VSIN when you sign up. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Must be 18 years or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Go.
4: Daniella, yeah, the uh, biggest thing today in sports was not the uh, WNBA total moving 60 points and then 55, settling in at 55. Which, by the way, they said the biggest Google search today was on the WNBA All-Star game. I think they had no idea why on oh, this yeah. broadcast. Hashtag which, sports betting. Hashtag, hashtag sports betting. It wasn't that or the fact that uh, we have NBA Finals game four tonight. It's the fact that apparently all of us have been mispronouncing Travis Kelce's name Kels, wrong Kels. all this time.
7: No, no, this is on him. This is on him. He did Kills. a whole show with his name in it. Ex- why, why did he not say something sooner? He had a show. People. He had a dating show called Catching Kelsey. I forgot
4: about that. That that's was a your thing.
7: show. Yeah. That's Never your said a show. word. Yeah, that's
4: a great point, Danielle. I forgot about that. He had like, that. Kills. Like,
7: it's one thing if the announcers get it wrong, but
5: like that was your show. Why didn't you tell us then? Yeah, I'm with you. And there's been. I'm trying to think. Like, there's been times in call like me covering some like college sports, where. Don't get me wrong. Like SIDs or some been like, hey, listen, like, we just got word from this kid. Like, you guys are like, everybody's been pronouncing his name wrong. My, my example is is Matt Rule, who I, I interviewed back doing local news when he was playing in the Boca Raton Bowl with Temple in his first year, and. I thought I've been going crazy over the years because when you know, standard reporting procedure, you ask a guy, you ask a person's name, how do they spell it, just to make sure there's no screw ups, especially when you know Matt Rule was not as big as he is now back then, and it was Matt Ruley, and I'm like, okay, Matt Ruley, and we put it into everything we did on the news that night, and all of a sudden the guy's gotten big and he's Matt Rule ever since. <laughs> I, amazing. It's amazing. I think sometimes this happens with these guys. And they're like, whatever, like they're they're gonna keep making the same mistake. Then I'm just gonna live with it. Here's Kels. Kels, Kels, Kels.
4: Yeah, this was no all over social, the, the social medes. Uh, Daniel likes when I say that. It's all over social media today. Uh, that that he uh, and I want to give credit to who had it, but it's 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 Travis Kels. His name is pronounced Kels. So here's my question to you guys: Like, what do you think the chances are of you pronouncing it Kels this football season?
6: Well, we're gonna have to do it now on principle. On right? principle, we have to, right? Like, We're don't gonna say be that show anymore. We're going to be that show. I yes.
5: want to say, say, sure, Yeah, Sounds like a great plan, guys. But uh, <laughs> then we all leave on uh, vacation uh, here in about four days yeah. for two weeks. And uh, football season doesn't start for like six weeks. Let's see if we remember it by then. No, we have to. It's Kels. Kels.
4: Travis Kels. The man said Kels. <laughs> Call the man Kels. Mahomes to Kels.
7: People still say Tyrod Taylor, right? So, I mean.
4: Yeah, he did make a point to say it's Tyrod. His
7: mom likes Tyrod.
4: And no one seemed to care. No,
7: they still call him Tyrod Taylor.
6: Yeah. Why call him Tyrod? Man wants to be called Tyrod. I'll call him Tyrod. Kels. Uh, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes responded to the thing, and he goes, learned something new today. So, But there's also, like Isaiah brings up a good point, you got Jason Kelsey too, right? So you got two
5: brothers that went through this, went through careers and this, like, this never got addressed earlier than this? It's a little odd. It's overly so polite,
4: isn't it? Overly polite. I don't want to correct everybody. Danielle, your, your last name was pronounced one way, and you guys decided we're pronouncing it this way, and that's you the end of that. You got
7: to pick a lane, I think. Yeah, yeah. like, there, you, there's, like, the correct way to pronounce it based on your lineage, and then whatever way you actually say it within your family, maybe. But it, that's what I'm wondering, too. Is it, like, is it correct based on its origin, or is it correct because that's how his family says it? That's
5: a good point. That's a good point.
6: Yeah. My name gets mispronounced all the time. Yeah,
5: it's actually Brune. Yeah. It's
6: actually Bazudenhut. tough life. P- yeah, pronounces it Brown.
5: I get Bidlin all the time. Hey, m- emails, Mrs. Bidlin. Uh, how are you doing? It? Mrs. Oh, Kelly. emails, oh, Kelly. Kelly. Mrs. Kelly Bidlin. I can't yeah. blame mm. anybody on email. Either? No, and I, you're I, married, no less. First okay. of all,
4: Danielle, it's a Miss <laughs> Miss Kelly Bidlin. Yes. I was
6: going to yes. say, <laughs> <laughs> I'm married. Anyone miss watching? Bidlin, but anybody yeah, out there? Yeah. Hit him up on Twitter. DMs are open. Just slide into his DMs if you need to. They're open. Yeah, searching
7: for, for a Mrs. Bideland.
6: Yeah, It's tough when you name like Matt Brown. People pro- mispronounce that all the time. Yeah. All the time. Is it, is it Brown?
5: Be. Is it Brown? <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? Excuse is, is me. Is Gil, Gil short for anything?
4: No. Two L's. Gil. That's it.
5: Uh, Gil's Don't. is tough.
4: You're looking at me like I'm lying to Gil's. you. No, no it's just, Gil. Just Gil's is tough to because you expect
5: him to be Gilbert. You ex- well, no, no. You expect it to be 1L. You expect it right. to be Or you Gilliam. Two L's. You expect it to be Gilbert Gilliam. or Gilliam. Two L's Gilliam. Listen. But how many no- how many emails, notes have you got oh. in your life where it's one L?
4: I've known people for twenty five years; they still they write Gil with one L. Drives me crazy. Me too. I've known
5: people for twenty five years that just text me Kelly with no E Y at the end.
4: Anyway, his name is Travis
6: Kels, Everybody, Kels. We're gonna call him Kels.
5: I'm gonna call him Kelsey.
4: And don't send us angry, angry tweets. Calls.
6: No. About this. This is this is a thing. This is a real thing. Look it up. Uh, I'm calling
7: him Kelsey. It's
6: his uh, You're that guy. Yeah, we should get Daniel. Jason you're that guy. to
4: weigh in on it. <laughs> We'll come back. We'll do uh, MLB adjusted win totals. But Prop Watch is next for NBA Finals game number four. Coming up a little over a half hour from now, it's Visa's primetime action.
7: The college football season is right around the corner and that means the Vsin college football betting guide is coming soon. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule and early season trends to watch so you have a betting edge this football season. The guide is only 19.99 and discounts are available when you buy early, so now is the time to reserve your copy or sign up for Vsin all access and get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at slash subscribe and now it is time for prop watch. Prop.
4: We'll be talking some college football. Yes. Right be around the corner. Can't Just like wait. the Reed
7: said, right around the corner. Be
4: Cannot wait. Time. Yeah.
7: So taking a look at these props here, I mean, earlier I saw... A points, rebounds, and assist prop for Giannis Ciccumpo. I mean, it was in the 50s, so really high. Points prop sitting at 34.5. Devin Booker is at 27.5. Chris Middleton, 24.5. Chris Paul, points prop, 22.5. Drew Holiday, 19.5, and, and then DeAndre Ayton, 16.5. DeAndre Ayton's rebounds also sitting at 12.5. What do you think?
4: Well, we should review what uh, Kelly had first earlier on the show for those who missed it, because Kelly's got a couple of these. What do you got, Kelly?
5: Yeah, I do. Uh, I played Giannis over assist. And don't get me wrong. The number's probably right on. This is... uh uh, one that I'm thinking that the the, the defense of the Suns are going to have to – they're going to have to attack Giannis differently. I think game two, uh, you know, there were still concerns about his ankle. I think now that he's dropped 40 points on him twice, I think you're going to see a lot more of that pack line defense, uh, you know, kind of that we saw out of the heat and teams last year. They're going to be crashing the paint, especially with DeAndre Ayton has defended him so well, and Ben, be- ben that rim protector, has done such a good job protecting that rim. Problem is with him getting in foul trouble, we saw how much this team st- struggled both offensively and defensively without him last game. So I really think they're going to try to do everything they can to protect Aiton a little bit. I think that's going to lead Giannis to more open guys to pass to. He's going to have to adjust, going to have to uh, dish the ball out more. So that was when I went over five and a half assists on him. And then Cameron Johnson, over eight and a half points. Just been a, He's been the best guy off the bench, really, for for the Suns in this series with a bench that is shortening as guys get injured and the start play more and more minutes so those were those were two that I like tonight I expect, really liked the Cameron Johnson over over eight and a half points Matteo yeah, I think like it's,
6: um I think the the Aiton pra is still in play um even though it has swollen up to 29 and a half um I think it is still in play we're again we're looking at a guy that very rarely gets in foul trouble, you know, and so I definitely think that, the, you know, they, they're going to have something in play hopefully to get it to where he's not going to be the only guy that's, that's down there trying to like, you know, whatever. and the other thing is look, Giannis at half a three-pointer, he only shot two last game, 0 for 2, obviously. I think that he's getting the hint or someone is telling him like, hey, get the hint, like you shouldn't be shooting these things. So, I would take the under on that all day long. I mean, if I'm going to – if you're going to give me he's only going to shoot two, Yeah, I'll take the under that he doesn't make one. So, mm-hmm. I
5: almost got suckered into playing the over last game because he had – remember he had launched five the, the yeah. game before and made one, and I saw a price here in town where they had that at a flat minus 110 each way on the over-under. Now, the over still – like I think at DraftKings it's juiced up to like minus 150. So, you'd get plus money playing that under. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, I mean, after what we saw last game, it's – I, Giannis is man, that last game was so impressive to me because it was okay. It, understanding what I'm doing, well, keep feasting. Don't force anything. And even the two that he shot, Matt, it was in one was at the end of a quarter, just a heave from well beyond the arc. And then one was when they were up big in the fourth yeah. quarter, which we talked about a, cu- a couple games ago. I'm like, I'm fine. If he wants to shoot threes in those kind of situations, that's fine. The ones that kill him, or when it's a tight game, or especially when the Suns are like surging,
6: and you're and you're forfeiting a possession, you're forfeiting a yeah. possession
5: because most often he's yeah. Giannis is usually the biggest guy on the court for the yeah. Bucks, so it leads to a long rebound, which it, it leads to an easy basket on the other end for the Suns. So it's just, if you're up, sure shoot away, Giannis. I'm fine with you on that, but overall, I'm with you on that. I think under under there. Um, Man, I think the uh, the three-pointers on Jay Crowder, I think we said this for about a month and a half straight now, but over two and a half, if that's still out there, I think that's fine. He's going to sit in that corner, and he's going to launch him. He's, you're going to get the volume. Um, and, yeah, a- Aiton, I didn't play anything with Aiton tonight, but I know Danielle did. I know you were looking at him. Doing it presently. I- I- yeah, I, I like him. I what like are,
6: you, what him. are you doing, Father? I'm going to play the over-rebounds. I'm, over-rebounds I'm, on Yeah, I'm going to play the over-rebounds. Danielle, what do you have on this?
7: I have over points on DeAndre Ayton and also on Devin Booker. So over 16 on Ayton for me and over 27.5 on Booker.
4: Can I ask you guys about a couple guys at the bottom of this? Bobby Portis is sitting at 6.5 points. P.J. Tucker's sitting at 5.5. If you believe, Kelly, what you do about Giannis looking to dish because they'll collapse on him, Bobby Portis scored 11 the last game in 18 minutes. More importantly, he shot the ball 11 times, was only four of 11. Now, he did only score two and five the couple games before that in Phoenix, but prior to that, three out of the four games he played, 12, 22, and 15 in the point column. I do wonder who's the beneficiary of that more than anyone. Is it Portis? Is it Connaughton? Is it Tucker?
5: I think it's going to be more likely Connaughton and Tucker. I I love Bobby Portis. I think what he brings to this team is great. The problem is... As they keep playing the chess match of matchups, that's where you're seeing. Look at those past two box scores, right? He played 18 minutes last game had a great game, 11 points, eight rebounds. Problem is that when he's on the court is more dictated by what the Suns are doing with what they're putting on the court than the Bucs are. So like game two, he only played five minutes. And so that's where I, I think with this still being a chess match, I think it's a great question, Gil, because we saw a crowd chanting Bobby that last game. I love Bobby Porter. He's been one of my favorite players of the season. He's a key role player. But it's gonna, I think it's going to depend on how, kind of how the Suns react tonight. So I would – you're right. Someone's going to be a beneficiary of those assists. I would look more at guys like Pat Connaughton, though.
4: All right. makes more, It makes some sense. Just wanted to uh, find out. At the bottom of that list who might be playable. Interestingly, none of you mentioning any of the sons besides Aiden. No Booker thoughts, no Paul thoughts. Those are about right?
6: The Booker number, obviously, I mean, like you see the 10-point output last game and you see the 27 and a half. I mean, like you just you can't assume he's going to be that putrid again. The other thing he didn't get to the line, he's been getting to the line. I assume they're going to tell him. You know, I don't know why you became less aggressive. It was your nose or whatever it is, or something yeah. like that. But like, we need you in there. One, because you're best when you're drawing fouls and get in line. And two, I mean. Try to get one of these guys in trouble. Like try to put it in the back of their head, right? Like try to get one of these guys in foul trouble. Try yeah. to just change the, the the mojo from what happened last game. You know, give them something else to think about.
5: It's uh it's tough because the booker, especially when they really haven't adjusted the booker number, and I think that they're really, really thinking what I'm thinking, I kind of said it, I think he said it last or the day before, where it's Like, there is a Chris Middleton and a Devin Booker, like, 35-point game coming, Mm -hmm. I believe. I don't know when it's going to be, but I think both of those guys who have struggled in this series a bit are both going to bounce back at some point.
4: Listen, they're only going to have to score about 92 points in the last quarter to go over the opening number on this WNBA All-Star game. That is, of course, unless we have overtime. 66-64, the closing seconds. Of the third quarter, uh, 130 is where that sits. The opening number was 251 and a half. Closed at 196 and a half. Got all the way down to 191 and a half. It ain't getting there without overtimes. 32 teams, 32 shows. Next, Beeson's prime
0: action.
7: Download the DraftKings Casino app now and use promo code VSIN to get a deposit bonus up to $1,500. DraftKings Casino has hundreds of ways to play. Choose from slots, blackjack, roulette, and so much more. It's also U.S.-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older. Eligibility restrictions apply for entertainment purposes only. No results guaranteed. Void were prohibited. See casino.draftkings.com for full details. Gil.
4: Uh Danielli, I think it's time to uh resume our never-ending series. I shouldn't say never ending, because there's only thirty-two of these. But we're well into it. What we got?
7: Thirty-two teams and thirty-two shows. Let's look at the Ravens last season to start here. Uh, so finished 11-5, and five, obviously, second in the AFC North, but they lost to the Bills in the divisional round. Uh, the team rushed for 3,071 yards, which was the most in the NFL, but passed for only 2,739, which was last in the NFL. The offense scored the seventh-most points, 19th in total yards. They had the ninth-fewest turnovers with 18 and the third-most rushing touchdowns with 24. The defense also gave up the second-fewest points, the seventh-fewest yards, sixth-fewest passing yards, and the eighth-fewest rushing yards.
4: I'm actually very uh, anxious to hear what you have to say about this team, which is obviously Lamar Jackson-led, and just mentioning his name causes
6: all kinds of opinions from people. It really does. Their their free agency was, um, was not widespread, but it was definitely quality. They brought in uh, offensive guard Kevin Zeitler, they brought in offensive tackle Alejandro Villanueva. And then they brought in wide receiver Sammy Watkins. They also brought in an offensive tackle and Juwan James for depth. So while it wasn't huge, it was definitely needed for them uh, a ton. What they did in free agency, uh, certainly going to be put to good use there. Um, draft picks, first round, they had two, two different first round picks. Rashad Bateman, of course, the wide receiver where everybody was saying, hey, the Ravens really need a wide receiver. Ravens really need a wide receiver. They win. They got Rashad Bateman in the first round. They also uh, took linebacker Adafi Owe in the first round. And then they took Ben Cleveland in the – they had two-thirds as well. They took Ben Cleveland, who's an offensive guard. They'd have a corner, Brandon Stevens. Um, who it, they took in the third round as well, and they took another wide receiver in the fourth round who actually supposedly, you know, if you, if we read beat writers, very rarely do beat writers ever come out and be like, man, this guy really stinks. You know, like <laughs> they don't ever write any of that stuff, right? Because like,
4: they have a livelihood to worry yeah,
6: about. Yeah, like, man, this guy really looks terrible. And I mean, you know, according to beat writers, uh, Tylen Wallace was a the guy they took in the fourth round, a wide receiver, and, you know, again, beat writers coming out, maybe looking at this through rose-colored glasses, but saying that he looks really good and should be able to fit somewhere in the rotation and should be able to uh, to get some playing time with them. if you look what they where they finished up last year, 11th overall DVOA offense, ninth overall DVOA defense according to ESPN, they have the fifth best roster top to bottom heading into the season. So um, you know PFF kind of backs that up as well fourth rated fourth power rated team as we head into the 2021 season with a 5% Super Bowl win probability. So that's one of the highest ones that we've heard since we've been doing uh, these previews here. That said, they do only have them projected at 9.8 wins. So, like, right at 10 wins. Um, And so it has them under their season win total 69% of the time. And, Gil, like, so here's the other thing. So I look back and we see that they were – You know, eleven and and five last season. Then you go and you kind of look back at their schedule. They had to win their final five games. Yeah. To get to that eleven and five record, and you look and through those wins were were wins over the Cowboys, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. Not a murderer's row. The only. Quality win, and there was a five-point battle against against the Browns. Um, but four of the five teams that they played were were non-playoff teams. Yeah. To get to that eleven-five, so you start to look, and you know that you see that number there sitting at eleven, and it makes you wonder if you should have a. Fairly decent lean to the under, especially if you are like I am, bullish on the Browns. So if you think the Browns are going to be an extremely tough out for them, and a, a very real possibility they could even be swept by the Browns in that division, then I think it's at least something for us to consider with this Ravens team, where I think we kind of just automatically, kind of just give them the, you know. And I think we might be in a situation where you put you you play the under, and at worst you push. You know, like an 11-6 an, an and six for, for this team? I don't know. Just,
4: I hear what you're screaming there. Yeah. I, I get that. Uh, I have a couple of questions. One, um, Rashad Bateman, who it could be argued, was one of these guys who stayed in college and it hurt his draft mm-hmm. position. Because the year before, Minnesota had a great year of football, which was sort of an anomalous year for them, where they flirted with the Big Ten Championship. Rashad Bateman was phenomenal. And so getting him at 27, it's a, it's a great draft pick. They ended up with him and, as you mentioned, Sammy Watkins at free agency. A, were you surprised that maybe it's because of those two guys um, that they had gotten and had their eyes on that they weren't more of a, they wasn't more of a flirtation with Julio Jones. I thought they were the big loser in that.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe they were very – because I mean, both those guys are projected to start, obviously. You right. know, like Sammy Watkins is going to start. Rashad Bateman is going to start. That basically bumps Miles Boykin out of the rotation where he just never really lived up to anything as he once he got to the NFL. Uh, Devin DuVernay, another guy that they tried on later on in the draft as a wide receiver, he never really, you know, panned out either. So, here in you know, here in comes Rashad Bateman, in comes Sammy Watkins. And honestly, what I'm hearing is this ty- Tyler Wallace actually is probably the fourth guy in line – there, mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown, of course, the other wide receiver that they have that's going to be that's going to be starting for them. So yeah, I mean, I, I, they they certainly could have used. Hey, Julio Jones, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I think maybe you're like you're saying yeah. though that maybe they just got content because they were looking we spent the money on Watkins. We yeah. drafted Bateman like maybe we don't want to have just too many of these guys.
4: The as other as thing, thing is, that, and, and again, I'm not going to dismiss the fact that, you know, we're not for that pick six at the end of the third quarter against the Bills. They had a real shot at beating the Bills mm-hmm. in the playoffs. But let's just take a broader viewpoint rather than remember their final game of last season in the postseason. What's the the main thing we say about the Ravens year after year uh, under Lamar Jackson is this that when they're ahead in a football game they are awfully tough to run down mm-hmm. because they're great front runners with a guy like that who's multidimensional. On the other hand, when they fall behind not so much for the same reasons, yeah. right? The same skill set that makes them hard to catch uh, doesn't necessarily make them the most uh Let's see, adept at coming back. Is there anything about their moves that make you think that can be bucked?
6: I mean, I think that certainly the front-runner thing probably still holds true because not only do you have Lamar Jackson – at quarterback. I mean, look, you you still just have second year guy JK Dobbins who proved to be the best in that backfield. And I've always thought he was underrated, even
4: at Ohio State. Yeah.
6: Towards the end of the season, he proved that he should have been starting from day one. I mean, they let Mark Ingram walk, obviously. So that that's that's done. They did resign Gus Edwards. So, I mean like Gus Edwards is is gonna be there. Mm-hmm. So you got that like back to back kind of like two person tandem there. With that. And then you look at this offensive line. I mean, it's a 12th rated offensive line as they head into the season. But look, they get Ronnie Staley back healthy. He only played 312 snaps last season. They did trade Orlando Brown to the Chiefs, but then they signed Alejandro Villanueva as well. So he comes in to replace. Now he's played left tackle his whole career, so he's going to have to move to right tackle, but I don't think that that is going to be that big of of a deal there. So Villanueva goes in and fills that that, that gap that Orlando Brown has. Then they bring in Zeitler again as a big signing, who's going to be a nice interior offensive lineman for them as well. Bradley Bozeman actually gets to move over from from left guard. He was not all that great at left guard. He's going to move to play center because they drafted Ben Cleveland, who's going to move in to play guard. So if anything  – they upgraded this line as a whole by getting back Staley from injury, then making the signings that they made, and then being able to move Bozeman over to center from guard, and that should create you know a better uh, a better guard position as well with, with Ben Cleveland there. So, I mean, I think that this is uh, overall a better line there, and I think they can still play bully ball for sure. I mean, I think one of the things that's really going to be interesting, though, for this team is what this defense looks like with a fairly, a fairly decent – Loss, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball because this was a defensive line that didn't really play all that great as it was. And now you look up and Yannick Ngakwe and Matthew Judon both left in free agency, right? Those are by far their mm-hmm. best two pass rushers. And so now you've got to look and yes, you've got the run stoppers and Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams up front. And like those guys are studs. There's no doubt about that. But they're not really pressure guys. And so your two best pressure guys are gone in free agency. So they're going to hope, like Owe is the guy that, you know, is the draft pick. They're going to hope that he can step in and be that guy. But, I mean, how many impact rookie rushers do we really see? You know, that's not named Bosa, essentially. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, Chase Young, I guess. But, I mean, like these – it typically has to be, like, the elite of the elite guys to make a mark on the rookie year, you know. So, if they don't get any sort of, you know, pressure in in that, I mean, again, we I think the Browns are going to be much better. We know, yes, we don't expect the Bengals to be the, the greatest team in the world. But – they got Joe Burrow back there to sling it. They've got Jamar Chase. They've got weapons to throw So like if they're not getting any pressure with, with pass rush, it's going to be very interesting, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they do have a great secondary. Obviously, we know Marlon Humphreys, Marcus Peters, one of the best two cornerback tandems that you can possibly have. But if you're always, if you're always having to leave them on an island because you're not getting any pressure with your front guys oh, and they always have to play single coverage. Pressure's you're, everything. You're just, yeah, you're just, you're, you're, they're going to fail because I mean nobody, no corner is that good on every play basis, every down basis to be able to cover these stud wide receivers, and especially in a passing league where, you know, so much emphasis is on the pass game as it is. Anyway, so we'll kind of see how this plays out. I I, I think there could be a little bit of a regression here. Maybe this is just some bias talking. I think the Browns are going to be much better, but I was going to say, stay tuned to the Browns preview when we Matt goes see, crazy for 15 we, we minutes. But we didn't see much of a step forward with Lamar in you know in year two from a passing standpoint. Yeah. And so, like, do we think that he's really going to take out like, it's, it's a big year three step? Like, I don't know. I don't think so.
4: Where did PFF have their season win total? For a ball focus?
6: Nine, 9.8, so right 9.8. at 10. 9.8. Yeah. Okay. So right at 10. So a full game under. What what what's the listed number of 11?
4: Feels like that's your strongest under. No no, the Texans is still your strongest. Oh, yes. under yeah, yeah. yeah. That Certainly we've done so one. far.
6: Yeah, they we went negative one <laughs> games. <laughs> <laughs> I was
5: gonna say strongest under at five and a half, four and a half, three and a half. I don't know what we've talked negative about. Negative one and
4: 18. Like. The Texans. Uh, there it is. Baltimore Ravens lead to the under there from uh, Matt Brown. Uh, Matt and Kelly do their golf they their golf bets by model. We get into it. The Open Championship, which is, oh my goodness, five and a half hours away. NBA Finals. Game four as well about to uh, tip off. It's v Primetime action from the South Point.
3: Zumo Play.